E kids, are y'all ready to have some fun today? <laughs> There's the E kids. It's always fun. Now, now when we were getting ready uh, for things this morning, a message came to me and said, "Hey, I know this isn't like your typical family Sunday because um, we don't have. Usually, we'll have E kids leading us in worship and doing all of these things. Why? Because we think it's important for generations to come together." and worship the Lord. Um, we can use some of that energy they've got, and they can watch how we worship the Lord and learn by example and, uh, and all of that stuff. But somebody said, hey, um, we're not doing all that stuff, but are we still doing the Jesus challenge? Are we still doing the Jesus challenge? And I thought, yeah, we should probably still do the Jesus challenge. Yeah. Now, yeah. Help, help me remember, who won this thing last time we did it? Did the adults win or did the kids win? Did the adults win or did the kids win? See, I know, I know who's winning now. So, so listen, the slate's wiped clean. The title is back on the line to see who's going to win the Jesus Challenge. If you're a guest here or newer to Eastgate Church and you wonder what in the world the Jesus Challenge is, here it is. It's real complicated. I count to three, and then the kids shout Jesus as loud as they can. And then I'll count to three and let the adults shout Jesus as loud as you can. And whoever screams the loudest wins. And then we all go drink tea and honey to repair our blown vocal cords after service. That's how it, that's how it works. Um, so let me ask you a question. E-Kids, are y'all ready? Yeah! E-Kids, do you think you're going to win this thing today? Yeah! Adults, do you think you're going to win this thing today? Oh, snap, the adults showed up. What if we made it a little interesting? What if whoever wins today gets $1,000? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great? Well, that ain't happening, but it'd be awesome. It'd be awesome if that did, though, wouldn't it? Man, boy, that'd be a great day. So we're just, just going to have bragging rights. Uh, that's what it's all about. <clears throat> so if you're a guest today, I know it may feel a little awkward, but hey, participate with us. We like to have fun here at this church. Yeah. Man, I think too many times church is boring, and we don't want that to be the case. We serve an exciting, passionate creator. Amen? So our lives should reflect that. So E-Kids, I'm going to let y'all go first. All right? As loud as you can on the count of three, the Jesus Challenge title is on the line. <clears throat> you know what, I feel, like, I feel like for the adults' sake, we should warm up a little bit. <clears throat> so, so before the kids go, everybody, let's warm up our voices just a little bit. <laughs> you know what I was thinking? I think it'd be really weird if a guest walked in right now and heard us. What the heck is going on in this place? It would be... <laughs> That'd be, that's like one step above bringing the snakes out on stage this morning. That'd be, we're getting close. Oh, I'm glad we didn't have a guest walk in. That'd be Hey, if you're tuning in online, by the way, <laughs> just then, we're warming up our voices. Uh, this is not a normal Sunday for us. And by the way, thank you for tuning in. Hit that like and share button so we can reach some people for Jesus. And you guys ready? Warmed up and ready to go? All right, kids, on the count of three. Here we go. One, two, Three. Oh my gosh. 
adults. If you dare to try to match what I just heard, <laughs> let me pray over us first. Lord, for everybody, for everybody that's over 40 that's about to attempt this, we just pray protection over them and their voices. <laughs> that you let our vocal cords be like the vocal cords of a 15-year-old today. It will be all right, all right. So here we go. Adults, on the count of three. One, two, three. Oh, that was close. That was close. But I think we've got a winner. I don't think we need to do this again. I, I don't think we need to do this again. We've got a winner. Are y'all ready for this? Listen. Kids, you did not win. The adults won today. That is awesome. Woo! I love it. Look at these. Y'all just went to pouty faces just like that. That is amazing how that went. Don't worry. Christmas is still coming. The world has not ended. You get a shot next time to win the Jesus Challenge. Adults, risking injury, have won today. So that's Good deal. Good deal. So I love it when the kids are in here. There's so much energy. So listen, we're going to roll with it. We're going to roll with it. This is a different kind of service today. So if you see a kid fidgeting next to you, it's probably because they're jacked up on candy or some sugar or something, and they just can't like this. So, so kids, help me out. Pay attention as best you can, and y'all participate today and help me with this message, okay? I got a word that I think is going to bless all of us, challenge us a little bit, give us something to pray about, and lead us into some good food in a few minutes today. So on Family Sunday, we don't have as long a service for obvious reasons. Um, some people in here would tear this place apart. So we, uh, we keep it a little brief, but we get into the works. I believe God wants to do something in our lives today, starting a new series today, and the focus of this series we're calling it follow Jesus, but this is following Jesus' example in making disciples. Making disciples. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, the great commission and a commandment that we're all accountable to as believers. Jesus is talking to his disciples before he's out of here, going to his Father in heaven. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Everyone say Disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I love how he ends that with a promise. I don't know what life is thrown at you this week or this month or even the season that you're walking through right now, but we've got a promise from our Savior that says that he will be with us. He will be with us to the very end of the age. That sounds like he's never going to leave us. That sounds like he's never going to forsake us, you know. But he gave us something to do on the in-between, between now and between when we stand in front of him in heaven. He's commanded us and challenged us to make disciples everywhere that we go. In fact, I think you could probably say that our number one responsibility as a believer is to make disciples, it's the number one responsibility. Now, to make a disciple, it infers that there's been someone who has put their faith in Jesus, that we've led them to the Lord, and now we are discipling them and helping them 
grow spiritually. Discipleship is such a churchy word. Um, I think probably a real common way to say it would be, instead of discipleship, because when you say discipleship, you get, I, like, you, I don't know what you see, but you, I see like mystical people floating and come, come, come. Listen to the wisdom that we give here this morning, you know, or one person sitting under an oak tree with five other people. Let us look at the Holy Scripture today, and I shall disciple you on the way of our Lord, you know. Real super spiritual, real complicated. I think an easy way to grasp the concept of discipleship is just simply helping others grow in their walk with God. Just that simple. Discipleship sounds weird, but I can help somebody grow in their relationship with God. In fact, we've got a saying here. We've got a lot of sayings here at, at the church. But one of them is that we want our ceiling to become someone else's floor. Okay. What that means, that means everything that we've achieved, our wisdom, our life experience, everything that we've tapped that at so far in our lives, we want that to become somebody else's starting point. So they don't have to reinvent the wheel or to have to really fight some of the battles that we've gone through or make some of the mistakes that we've made in our walk with the Lord. We want our experience to benefit somebody else. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. Bearing each other's burdens, lifting each other up in prayer, encouraging one another, helping each other through difficult seasons in life. That's discipleship. Not a classroom, not a talk sheet. Real life, doing life with people, that's discipleship. Discipleship. And when it's real and it's flowing out of you, it's real and it's just a natural outgrowth of your walk with Jesus. A lot of people are intimidated by it. and We don't have to be intimidated by discipling others. Amen? In fact, it's our number one responsibility. It's our number one responsibility. Uh, big gaps in discipleship in churches across this country. I don't want our church to be a church that lacks in discipleship. I want to pour everything that I've got into you. I want to see you pouring your experience into one another. I want to see our children seeing us living the example of what a godly man or woman is supposed to be and modeling that. I want discipleship to be a simple, natural outgrowth of what happens here out of our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Not a complicated thing. Um, our world needs to see a church that is discipling. It really does. And you got to be careful with this because sometimes, sometimes your kids will pick up on this discipleship process and they'll use it against you. You guys ever experienced that? Um, I'm going to tell one of my kids. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I, was, I picked them up from school the other day. We're driving home. And suddenly a rumble comes from the back seat. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. We want ice cream. Can we go? They wanted to go to Dairy Queen and get some ice cream. Now, every once in a while, I'll do this, you know, because when Daddy picks them up, it's a special thing, so sometimes we go get ice cream. We want ice cream. I said, no. No ice cream. We got to go home. <laughs> so, oh, <laughs> I'm just waiting for y'all to start shouting, give us Barabbas. That's all I'm waiting on. Everybody just turned on me. <laughs> waiting on that one. So... <laughs> So I said no. Well, they upped the ante. Please, please. Now they're trying to wear me down. You ever been on that adventure? Oh, no. 
Oh no, strong-willed child meet the stronger-willed parent. No, no ice cream. Please. No. We're going to get ice cream. We're going to go home. Please. We're going to go home. Then, then, my clever kids, one of them says, but dad, you're supposed to, you're supposed to prefer us over yourself. <laughs> what? I said, say what? And they said, you're supposed to put our needs over your needs. I'm processing this, and then I hear, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says you're supposed to put our needs before your needs. And I'm like, man, I, they got me in a corner here. I don't know what to do with this. You know, so I'm just like, part of me is like, bravo, I'm doing a good job raising these kids. You know what I mean? This is going to pay off later in life when they're negotiating million-dollar deals. Um, so I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think we're going to go. So anyway, we're pulling up to Dairy Queen, and I'm getting on some ice cream. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, man, it's, it's so funny how quickly they pick up on this stuff. And, and I think that that's important for us to remember as adults, because we can't forget, when you're talking about discipleship, discipleship starts at home. Discipleship starts at home. It starts with a genuine, authentic relationship with God that we have. It starts with a genuine, authentic relationship with God that our family has. Parents modeling it, kids seeing it, kids and students living it out in front of their friends and being there to set the example. Discipleship starts at home. Make no mistake in your minds, all right? The greatest conflict and greatest battle and greatest war, threat of war, is not in Ukraine. It's not anywhere else in this world. The biggest battle on this planet right now that is happening is happening in our homes. There's a spiritual battle that's happening, and we have got to make sure, adults, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, whatever, that we are, we are on the front line taking our stand like we should. Because never, I'm just telling you, now for a young man, I have never seen such a big assault on, on the original design of family like you see right now. Not just in American culture, but globally. Um, when God created the institution of family, he intended for it to be the foundation upon which society was built. You understand that? Just like any... Um, in any construction scenario where you're laying a foundation, the stability and strength and integrity of that foundation is going to determine the stability of whatever you build on top of it. God intended for the family to provide a solid foundation on which for society to build and to interact with one another. When you have cracks and, found, and, and, and factions and issues with the foundation of the family, you begin to see the ripple effect in society. Okay? You begin to see all kinds of perversion, all kinds of half-truth and full lies working its way through. You begin to see an instability in the nation 
because there's an instability in the family. I'm here to tell you we're seeing that today. Like no other time before us, we're seeing a huge instability in our culture because of the instability that's taking place in the homes in our nation. Listen to me, ladies and gents. We've got to make sure that we're on point when it comes to keeping Jesus in the home. All right, and keeping the junk of the world out of our homes. Can't just have one. You've got to have both. All right. When when you see when you see a society and you 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 begin to hear talking points or you you hear um, false definitions of what a family is supposed to be, um, you begin to to see culture rising up to pre to present. Um, alternatives and substitutes to God's original design for the family. Okay? You're beginning to see a government that is beginning to stretch a little bit too far and going into territory that it doesn't need to go into. Government doesn't get to define what the family is. God gets to define what the family is because he created it. He created it. And any institution or educational organization... That, that presents anything in the family model that is not in line with God's original design for the family. I want you to hear me. That institution and that organization is a pagan organization. Okay? Well, we're an institution of higher learning. Then why are y'all presenting dumb stuff? You know what I mean? Why, why are you trying to redefine stuff that doesn't need to be redefined? Well, Pastor Josh, you're a little bit old-fashioned. No, I'm not old-fashioned. I know what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't change. God's not going to change his opinion on any of it. So we better line up with it because we're going to be held accountable to it. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you need to get with the times. What times? What times? You know what I'm talking about? God's word never changed. Nobody ever says that gravity is outdated. Well, this gravity stuff is dumb. It's outdated. Well, go walk off a cliff and see how outdated it is. You know what I'm saying? Gravity's going to snatch you on down to the ground. You know what I mean? It, it's an eternal principle that is there. It's not going away. The Word of God doesn't have to change. The Word of God doesn't have to adapt because it is a set principle that is just there. It's a universal truth. You know what I mean? So, um... Well, thank you for that. Praise God. It's just the truth. So discipleship starts at home. Joshua, um, chapter 21 in, in the Old Testament, this guy named Joshua who took over leading the nation of Israel after Moses had passed away. So Moses had died, and Joshua, who was his right-hand man, took over and began to lead Israel. Joshua had some history with culture influencing a group of people and keeping them from what God wanted them to be. See, Joshua was one of the two spies that came back. You know when Moses sent out the spies into the promised land? He said, hey, go check it out. He sent ten, 12 spies out. Ten came back and said, there are some big giants. There's some cool stuff there. And it's, every, it's, it's everything God said it was going to be. But there's some obstacles there too, and we don't think that we're equipped to handle it. Well, Joshua and Caleb were the two guys that came back and said, yeah, it's there. It's everything God said it was going to be, and we can do it. Let's go take the land. And Joshua had to wait 40 years. Kids say 40 years. 40 years. That's a long time. Had to wait for a whole generation to die out 
before they could go in with a new generation. But with this new generation came old philosophies and mindsets and a lot of false religions that Joshua had to deal with. He saw this taking place once they moved into the promised land. People were worshiping old gods and, and new gods and trying to bring that in in kind of a pantheistic world view of religion that salt and peppered the true God that they were supposed to be worshiping. And Joshua said, nah, we need to have a come to Jesus meeting and make sure that we get this stuff out. And he says, so fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshiped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. Man, if there's ever been a message for the church, I think it could be that, especially in our households. Serve the Lord alone. Let him be God. Get rid of all that false idol stuff. Get rid of all the false God stuff. We don't have idols in our homes. Really? Really? I hope you don't, but a lot of households do. A lot of households do. Um, we love Jesus till our show comes on. We love Jesus till we're making music choices. We love Jesus until we go to the movies. We love Jesus until the Falcons are playing on Sunday and we're scared we're going to miss the game so we skip church so that we can be there. You know what I'm saying? Um, <clears throat> so he says, serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. And I love this because he starts throwing a little bit of shade on him. He goes, would you prefer the gods of your, that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites whose land you live in now? I love that. Like, who's it going to be? Is it going to be this group? Or is the wind going to blow a different direction? And we're going to be all about this today. You know? Choose who you are going to serve. Then he draws a line and says, But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. I love the boldness in this. Because he's got... All of the leaders and all of the elders of Israel there. He's got all of the people of Israel there. And he is standing up and just calling them out on their business and saying, Hey, let's get this right. It can't be all of this. We need to be serving the Lord God and Him alone. And then he says, Listen, you can do what you want to do. You can live life how you want to. But as for me and my house... As for me and my children, as for me and my spouse, we are going to serve the Lord. We need more men and women and students standing up with some kind of spiritual spine to look culture in the eyes and say, I don't care what you say. I don't care what you do. I don't care how you try to mock or make fun of me. The Word of God is not going to change. Do what you want to do, but I am going to serve my Lord. We need more of that in this country today. And more than that, we need families that are modeling it and discipling so that there is a solid foundation for these lives to be built on. Family wins when parents intentionally invest in their children's spiritual growth. Intentionally. See, discipleship doesn't happen by accident. 
Your children are not going to accidentally have the foundation that they need. It needs to come from the home. Okay? Now, ministry here at the church is important. Ministry here at the church is powerful. God can change lives in a student service. God can change lives in e-kids. God's going to rock worlds at one conference. I'm telling you, by the way, if you haven't signed your kids up for one conference, if they're old enough to go sign them up, he's going to rock their world there. But there is no conference or service that is going to take the place of a consistent home where your kids are being poured into intentionally to help them grow spiritually. Because the goal is not to have a morally upright and responsible family. The goal is to have a family that loves Jesus. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And if we can get our family in love with Jesus, the rest takes care of itself. I'm not saying your kids will become perfect, but I'm saying all of the issues... All, all, all of the stuff that, that, that people were trying to instill in, the, in their kids. and trying, Well, yeah, you need to come. You won't have to make them come to church as much because they're in love with Jesus and they'll want to show up. But I will say this as a parent, when they don't want to show up, you're the decision maker in the home. Come on. Well, I didn't come to church because my kids didn't want to. Stop, listen, stop using your kids as an excuse. Can I just say that? You're the parent. You're the adult. Yeah. Get your rear end into church and bring them with you. Well, they're going to fuss and fight. Then let them fuss and fight. Well, they're going to scream and yell. Let them scream and yell now so that they're not screaming and yelling in the lake of fire later. You understand what I'm saying? Pick your battle and dig in your heels. Well, it's just going It's inconvenient sometimes. I get it. Your kids are going to be inconvenient. E-kids, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not throwing shade. I know sometimes your parents can be inconvenient too. Uh, but parents, you understand. Your kids are going to be in, listen, They're going to be inconvenient anyway. All right? They're going to inconvenience you with their sports schedule. They're going to inconvenience you with everything they're involved in in school that you have to take them to because they can't drive themselves. They're going to inconvenience you with the fundraisers that they uh, volunteer you for. They're going to inconvenience you with all of these things. If you're going to be inconvenienced anyway, why not put being inconvenienced by bringing them to a student ministry function on there too? All right. How about I'm, I'm going to be inconvenienced by getting them to an e-kids ministry training night so that they can learn how to minister. You know what I mean? You're going to be inconvenienced, so might as well just go all in and suck it up and be the adult and get them there. Um, families win when parents intentionally invest in their children's spiritual growth. For discipleship to take place, our faith must be a lifestyle, not a service we attend once a week. And that's for us as adults, but it's also for us as students and kids, too. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. The depth of too many people's experience with God is winning the battle to get up early on a Sunday and plop down in a chair. I made it today. Lord, save me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Man, God's called us to a whole lot more. Called us to a whole lot more. Not just to struggle to get to a church service on Sunday, but to live victoriously every day of the week. 
It's got to be real. It's got to be something that is real and not just happening on a Sunday. Here's what, what people don't realize. And this, this was a, uh, a slap in the face when I realized this. Students, parents, newsflash. You're discipling someone whether you want to or not. You're discipling somebody whether you want to or not. Because they are seeing your lifestyle. And they're going to model it or they're going to create a perception based on what they see in you. Because you may be the only Christian that they see in their lives. Parents at home, listen. You're discipling your kids whether you want to or not. Well, I'm intimidated by all that spiritual stuff. You don't have to be. Um, men, I hear this from more than women. Well, it's, it's difficult for me to be the spiritual head of my home and to, to grow into that. I'm just inexperienced and it's awkward and, and I get all of that um, because it is at first. Listen, everything is awkward at first. Yeah. You know, until you put the reps in, until you get used to it. Guys, listen, uh, we didn't know how to change a tire until we did. You understand? We didn't know anything about sports until we did. You probably didn't know how to do your job the way that you do right now in the beginning. Don't let inexperience become an excuse. You step up, you be a man, and you get used to it one day at a time, one step at a time. You grow, make your mistakes, own them, learn from them, but you be the man in the home because you're discipling your kids whether you want to or not. Same thing for the moms. We're discipling our kids whether we want to or not. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Well, we're teaching them, men, by how we talk to our wives. We're teaching them how to treat, we're teaching our sons how to treat women later on in life. So when you yell at them, when you try to dominate them, when you go all force and fury, and you're teaching your son, that's how you get stuff done. And the woman isn't someone who's equal to them spiritually in the eyes of God. The woman is someone to be dominated and controlled. That's not what it's about. Women, the same thing. When you, when you get crazy emotional and begin to manipulate your husband, you're teaching your daughters that that's normal behavior. It's normal behavior. And if they want anything done, they can't be themselves and make a request. They have to play the game and try to emotionally exhaust whoever they're, they're trying to get something from and manipulate and play them to get what they want. And that's not God's idea of how it's supposed to happen. You understand? We're discipling by what we allow to be watched in the home because our children are watching us and they see mom and dad and they see grandma and grandpa praise God and lifting their hands on Sunday and going, amen, pastor, amen, pastor. This is great. I love this, man. The adults did win the Jesus challenge. I don't care what the kids say. You know, getting into it, amen. They see you at church and they, they see you watching R-rated crap at home full of F-bombs and nudity and sex scenes and they're going, Oh, okay. So church is something that we go to. Oh, come on. It's not something that's real in our everyday life. You're discipling your kids whether you want to or not. You understand? Students, and same thing with your friends. They're watching your lifestyle. 
They're watching your lifestyle. And you are showing them what a young woman or a young man of God is supposed to be. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you truly representing the way that you should? Now, I'm not trying to do drive-by guilting or let's throw shade or anything like that. And everybody take a deep breath. My God, Pastor, we're, this is Pastor Appreciation Day. You really want to be appreciated. It's a good thing they took up the offering for the message. My God, back up a little bit here, man. Let's slow down. Hey, I get it. I get it. Preaching about it and talking about it in church and putting it in a practical application sometimes are two very different things. And that means that sometimes we have to establish new patterns of behavior. But it's worth it because there's a whole lot more writing on the standard of your home than you think there is. We need our families together under the banner of Jesus. Well, how am I supposed to do that? I get asked that a lot. How am I supposed to disciple my kids? How are we supposed to disciple our families? How are we supposed, what are we supposed to do? Play some organ music and open up a big 85-pound King James Bible and just throw it on the table and just start working our way through it? Hey, if that works for you, then go for it. Better have a good table. <laughs> but let me ask you this. Do you eat food? Okay. Do your kids eat food? Do you guys ride together in vehicles to places? Practices and rehearsals and things like that. Um, do you guys go to sleep at night? Yeah. Parents are like, sometimes. <laughs> some, sometimes we do. I get it. You know? So, um, by the way, how many of y'all kids would love to have your bedtime be a lot later than it is? A few of you? Yeah. How many of y'all would love to stay up till midnight every night? Yeah? yeah? One in the morning every night? Yeah, just stay up and, and watch, watch, uh, watch videos or, or play games just till you're ready to fall asleep and you can just show up to school whenever. Yeah, I get it. I used, to, I used to want that too. So we all go to sleep. We all eat food. We all travel together. Let me make some suggestions. You don't have to have church in your home. You just have to maximize the time that you have with your kids, with your spouse, and take advantage of teaching moments. And when you're driving them to practices or driving them to school, that's a great opportunity to just pray with them. You know what I mean? Lord, I just pray over, over my kids in this game that we're about to go to. Lord, we pray for Uncle Fred that he would not lose his mind in this game like he did last week. <laughs> Lord, I just pray for us as a family that at this game we are able to show people your love that whether we win or lose or things go our way, Father, that we're able to, to live out an example of you in front of the people that we have an opportunity to impact today. Boy, a little prayer like that in front of your family goes a long way. Goes a long way. And they're in the car. They can't go anywhere, so you got them. You know what I mean? So both in the audience, when, when you're at the table and you're eating or you're at the restaurant eating or even if you're grabbing food in the car and you're going to the next event, I get how it goes. But... If we're, you know what, I think it would be good for us as families to gather around the dinner table a little bit more. Instead of being factioned and divided, and this kid in this room, that kid in that room, and we'll come down and graze whenever we want to. A family sitting together at a table goes a long way. Goes a long way. Um, how did your day go? Fine. Well, what's going on at school? Not much. These are, these are answers you get. I know that. I get some of the answers, too. Um, 
hey, is there anything going on in your life right now that I can pray for you about? Well, kids have a lot going on that they could use prayer for. You create the opportunities. When it's time for bed, sneak in that room. Hey, can we pray for anything? Is anything going on? Just have these moments where you're able to drop the seeds. And then, if you'll do that and model at the same time what the lifestyle is supposed to be, your kids see it and they go, oh, this is real for mom and dad. And if it's real for them, it can be real for me. It makes a difference. First um, John 2, starting in verse 5, it says this, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Paul writes this, and he says one of the most powerful statements you're ever going to hear in Scripture. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Could you say that with your life right now? Could you say, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ? My prayer is that you can. And if you're here today and, and maybe that's not something you can say, I hope that it is before the day is over. Here's what I know. The power to save your family is not in your hands, but the power to pray and model Jesus is. Okay? And I, know, I know none of us as parents want our kids to have to go through incredibly diff difficult things, and none of us as parents want our children to end up spending eternity where God doesn't want us to spend eternity. And we would love to save them from so much, but it's not within our power to save them from any of that. Life is going to happen. Sooner or later, they're going to have to make the decision on where they're going to spend eternity. We can't make that decision for them, but we do have tremendous power in praying for our families, praying over our families, and modeling Jesus. That is something we can all do. It's something we can all do. You don't need a degree to do that. Students, you can model Jesus to the other kids in your school. And instead of going along with the crowd, you can be like Joshua and say, you guys can do what you want to do, but I'm going to serve God. I'm going to make sure that I'm pleasing Him. Can you imagine for a second what your life would look like if you just hit pause on the busyness and the distractions and got to go to work, got to do this, got to meet this deadline, got to be at this appointment. And we stopped and we stepped outside of the whirlwind of the pattern of life that we've created and said, you know what? I'm doing a lot of stuff that's about me. Maybe I should stop and consider how my life can impact somebody else. Our greatest responsibility as believers is to make disciples. You cannot help someone else grow spiritually if you are self-absorbed and focused only on you and your little bubble. You understand? And, and you miss out on the beauty and you miss out on, on the amazing work that God could do through your life to change someone else just by lifting up your eyes, saying it's not about me. Maybe today 
I can pay attention to the people around me and see someone that needs to be encouraged. Maybe I can look around and see somebody that's going through a difficult week and just pray for them and encourage them. Maybe I can look at the students in my classroom and I can tell which ones are just struggling. And I can lift them up in prayer and just remind them that Jesus loves them and he's in their corner and we are too. Can you imagine what your life might look like if we stopped living so much for ourselves and we began to step into the calling that Jesus put on us as a church and individuals to lead others to him and to help them grow spiritually. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life where someone coming alongside of me and just being there and offering their shoulders and letting their ceiling become my floor during that season would have made all the difference in the world. And I promise you there are people in your life right now that need that from you. We got to look around and see it. tell you something about me. Kelly knows this. A few close friends know this. I've already got like my funeral planned out should Jesus tarry and, and not come back before it's my time to go. And one non-negotiable, one non-negotiable is that on my headstone, I don't want, you know, these great statements they put sometimes on headstones. There's nothing wrong with it. I don't want any of that. I just want my name, and I just want little lines on the headstone. And I want it to symbolize and represent every person that I was able to lead to the Lord in my lifetime. I'm keeping count as best I can. I want a huge headstone with a lot of lines on it. You understand? I want it. That's just, the grave is this big, and he's got a 50-yard long headstone. That's what I'm gunning for. You know those big um, mausoleums or whatever he, they put the people? I want covered with lines. Because I want to reach as many people as I possibly can. And I want to invest in as many people as I possibly can. Because my Savior asked me to. You understand? And, and when I stand in front of him, I don't want to stay there with, with, a, with a false hope or illusion that a fat bank account or, or morally upright kids was enough or giving this amount of money to the church or volunteering. I, I, don't want, I, I want to look at him and say, I did what was important to you and not me. I lived my life for you and not myself. I told others about you with every breath that I had. I, I did my best to model how you challenged me to live. I wanted people when they saw me to see a reflection of you and what I said and what I did. I wanted to help people grow in their walk with you so that collectively as a church, we could do greater things than you just like you desired for us to do.
before you left, I want it to all be about him. It's a heart of discipleship. It's more than us. It's about reaching others for him and helping others grow so that we can finish together. When I get to heaven, I don't want to look around and say, where's Bob? I want to say, where's Judy? Where's Emily? Where's Roy? I want to see you guys there. And I want to see every life that you were able to impact for the kingdom of God by letting Jesus shine through you. It's not about us. It's about those we can reach, those we can invest in, those we can help grow. And if we'll give ourselves to that, and there's nothing that God can't do with a group of people that are sold out to that mission. Amen? Discipleship starts in the home. It's got to be real. It's got to be modeled. It's got to be the standard. Let's all stand this morning as we get ready to close. Kids, thank y'all for sticking with me. That was a lot to have to absorb. God did a great job. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes for a second. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you speak to all of us right now. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't put up any, any of those classic defenses that, that we do so much in church world. And we say, well, I'll take care of this later. or I'll, That's something, yeah, I need to, to change someday, one day. Lord, I pray that the decisions that we make are made today. Lord, that we maximize the moment that's here. Lord, that we step into the person that you've called us to be. Heads bowed, eyes closed, all across this place. No one looking around. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, God's been speaking to me today. And I need to step it up when it comes to discipling others, especially the discipleship that happens in the home, the discipleship that happens around family. I need to live out the Word of God and model it and invest and encourage I need to take the eyes off of myself and put it on others and step into that responsibility and that command from Scripture to make disciples. If you're here today and you feel like this has challenged you and the Lord's spoken to you and you know you're, you need to take a step in the direction of being a better discipler for the Lord, I'm going to count to three, and I want you to lift your eyes up and look at me. I want to pray for you this morning. I believe that God is going to start something in you today that is not just going to impact and influence the life of a few people, but of thousands. Father, speak to us. God, I pray for boldness. Lord, I pray for the courage to change. Lord, I pray for your Holy Spirit to continue to motivate us towards who you're calling us to be. On the count of three, if that's you, lift your eyes up and look at me. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me. Eyes are going up all over this place. Praise God. Praise God. I got one more question for you this morning before we pray for that. Are you here today? And if you had to, you had to be honest and be truthful about where you are and in your relationship with God. Being a, a disciple of, of others, that seems like a million miles away because your own relationship with God is just in shambles. 
I want to give you an opportunity to get that right today. And you're here today and you know your walk with God isn't where it needs to be. Maybe there's sin that you've let back into your life. Jesus is no longer on the throne or in control. There's a lot of distraction. There's a lot of busyness. There's a lot of chaos that's going on. And we need to get our own houses in order this morning. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Josh, my relationship with Jesus isn't where it needs to be. And if I died right now, it's a coin toss on whether I would make it to heaven or not. I want to give you an opportunity to get that right. I'm not going to embarrass you or single you out. I just want to pray with you this morning. If you're here today and that's you and I count to three, lift your eyes up and look at me. Let's pray and let's get this right today. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift them up and look at me if that's you. Eyes are going up all in this place. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if you lifted up your eyes, especially for that, (laughs) that last little challenge, I want you to pray this prayer after me. I want everyone in the house to pray this prayer after me. We got a saying here, and it's at Eastgate, no one walks alone. I want you to know we're going to pray this prayer with you because at this church, we've got your back. We believe in you. We're here for you. So I want everyone that lifted their eyes and said, hey, I've got some junk I need to take care of in my walk with God. Jesus needs to get back on the throne of my life. I need to get my relationship with him where it needs to be. I want you to pray this and mean it from your heart. Everyone else is going to repeat this with us. Are you ready? Here we go. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father thank you for sending your son, for saving your son to die for my sin. Thank you that he rose from the dead three days later, finishing the work that he started. Finishing the work that he started. Jesus, Jesus, thank you for not giving up on me, for always being there. You are my Lord and you are my Savior. I repent. That means I walk away. That means I walk away from all the sin. I want you. I want you. One day at a time. One day at a time. One step at a time. I'm gonna do my best to serve you as you change me from the inside out. In your name, name. Amen. amen. Let's give God praise for Come what on. just happened. Yes, Jesus! Yes!